have you back in this space again. Duper exciting. I love sharing this time and space with you all. So today a little introduction before we invite the wonderful Gwen on board to join us is that we're exploring the themes of the Major Arcana and this series of the podcast and how they come up in our everyday life. So rather than it being a lesson, I love a deep conversation and what better to have a conversation on the devil and more specifically speaking of the sex part of it all with a sex educator. I shall invite on Gwen now. Welcome, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely, you're welcome. So happy to be here. I know, I'm so happy to have you here. You're quite literally my dream guest for this episode. I was like <laughs> planning all my episodes so far in advance and I was like, I'd not long came across your profile and I just love the message that you share talking about pleasure and sex because they're great topics and they can be taboo for some people as well. So it's amazing that you're there speaking um, and sharing sharing your voice. But how's your day been so far? It's earlier where you are. You're 3 p.m. I'm 8 p.m. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been good so far. Just getting back into the swing of things after the weekend. Well, yeah, I'm <laughs> solo employed, self-employed now. So my weekend is whenever it is. So mm. getting back into the swing of things. Um, but it's good working on a lot of stuff, um, working on the next module for my course. Really excited for that. So it's been good so far. Thank you for asking. You're most welcome and congratulations on your new adventure, taking your passion full time as well. It's such a wonderful place to be. And I, today is my Monday as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just getting back into the swing as I had my, my weekends just there. Um, so yes, thank you so much. I thought we'd start with a nice little introduction. If you could tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, your passions, um, your magic and the amazing work that you've been doing. Thank you. Yeah. So hi, everyone. My name is Gwen. I am a sexuality and spirituality guide, a tarot reader, and a self-proclaimed love witch. So basically what that means is I teach people, especially ambitious witches and witch-curious folks, how to love themselves, trust themselves, and how to channel their pleasure, intuition, and allure in order to solve their own problems, to do the work needed to really liberate themselves from all of this societally imposed shame and struggle and all of that and to gain the skills needed to really rise into living their desires and their dreams and just existing with confidence. So I love what I do because I get to hold space for people in the terms of sexuality and spirituality, like two of the most significant and intimate and often taboo and vulnerable aspects of our lives. And usually those things are so filled with again, shame and scripts that are forced on us from other people. And many of us are taught to kind of live this one-size-fits-all way in terms of sexuality and spirituality. And so what I want to bring in is an entirely new ethic, um, kind of approaching those things of determining what works best for oneself as an individual how do you really feel like your most authentic and expressed self and really expanding from that. And so my work is very much not one size fits all, very much kind of taking the extra step and effort to figuring out what works for the individual 
But the plus side of that is that it's actually sustainable and long lasting instead of like a five steps to being your best self that doesn't end up really helping you. So that's what I do in a nutshell. (laughs) Thank you. That's very well explained with what you do because I know from my personal experience as well, it's so easy to get caught up in other people's narratives and it can sometimes take speaking with somebody and having somebody like yourself holding space to try and identify what is your beliefs and what are actually other people's beliefs because for the longest time I didn't realise that um, I wasn't necessarily playing into my pleasure and things that was great for me because of like the porn effect and just Mm -hmm. thinking that everything that I was doing was what I wanted when really I was like is it is it though no and then this whole section of my life where I've been unlearning things it's then coming back into relearning and discovering what you like and having such a wonderful space like yourself is just phenomenal it's amazing thank you thank you And you mentioned, Gwen, that you're a tarot reader here Mm -hmm. at the Goddess Tarot Society. We'd love to know how it is you came to finding your relationship with the tarot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I started tarot reading in college and, God, that was like seven years ago or something. And I found tarot because I was raised Catholic and I really liked the idea of spirituality. I've always been a very spiritual person. But as I kind of made my way and discovered myself in college, I realized that Catholicism just wasn't the right fit for me. It just didn't feel completely like me. And so I started exploring other spiritualities and researching other traditions. And I ended up finding paganism and um, witchcraft and everything. And through that, I found tarot. And I actually went to some metaphysical shop with a friend of mine, and she bought me my first tarot deck um, and gifted it to me. Oh, you were gifted your first deck. (laughs) Yeah, it was. She was like, this is the tradition. Here you go. So I was like, oh, my God, awesome. Um, And so I started exploring the cards, learning about them, developing my own relationship with them. And I really was not a very social person in college. I was very kind of like within myself and like didn't feel like I fit in and everything. Um, But the way I connected with people was I would have classmates and people that I met in college come over for tarot readings. Mm -hmm. So it was this really lovely way of, I don't think I was charging at the time because I was so new to it, but it was this wonderful way of, again, emotionally holding space for people to be vulnerable and to understand themselves and learn about themselves and to emotionally connect with people through the archetypes of the tarot and through the experience of reading their tarot for them. So that's how it started. And then um, I kind of just continued on and on learning more, expanding more. Um, I read tarot at uh, a crystal and yoga studio um, that I deeply love for about a year. And then I went off on my own and then coronavirus hit and Mm. I was like, am I going to take this seriously or am I going to let it pass me by? And so I really worked hard on, you know, building up my presence and my business and everything. And I recognized that, especially in the pandemic, there was a lot of emotional vulnerability and struggle that people were going through. And I wanted to be there for them and, you know, build that trust with them and give them an opportunity to really sit with me and sit with themselves and learn about themselves and 
explore this modality of emotional healing. So that's how it's kind of evolved throughout the years. You're just a natural space holder. You really are just inviting people out of the town. And now here you are holding space for others and, and other journeys alongside your tarot is your tarot mostly love focused then the readings you're doing at the moment yeah so i identify as a venusian tarot reader or venusian however you want to say it um one Mm -hmm. of my uh major or most prominent deities is venus and as many folks may know she's a deity of love and romance but also of wealth and money and luxury and kind of life purpose and so that's that whole realm is where I mostly focus my readings. So on the emotional side of things and the kind of legacy side of things. So that can involve love and relationships. It can involve sex. It can involve a uh, career and life path. So all of that is kind of the conglomeration of my focus, but I do do a lot of uh, love and relationship readings and I love those. I have a very special place in my heart for those. Yeah, they're so popular as well. Everyone loves, I love reading, or a lot of people love love reading. It's a great a great way to dive into it. Sometimes it's um, often an avenue where people explore tarot readings or have a tarot reading for the first time, and then it just opens up, um, opens up the gates to lots of things more. And Gwen, would you say there's a certain card that best describes you at this moment in time? Yeah, so I would say the overarching card that best describes me is Surprise, surprise, the lovers. (laughs) Um, And I've written about this before on my Instagram, that the lovers is really the cornerstone of my work because a lot of people see it as, oh, the lovers is a relationship with someone else and that's how I find fulfillment. And the lovers is actually about finding wholeness through yourself, finding kind of your true self and your life purpose and the union of that and the fulfillment that you get from that, from fulfilling yourself internally and externally. So within your own internal world and through the external world, through your career, your authentic self, your connections with other people, definitely. Um, But finding that spark within yourself and the lovers also was initially called the choice. Um, I think it's La Moreau or something like that in the Tarot de Marseille and it was about trusting oneself and trusting one's own intuition and judgment to make the choice between, in the original card, it was, you know, between two lovers, but symbolically we can see it as the choice between two life paths, you know, maybe the safer and more predictable path that doesn't really light you up and the more risky path that really fulfills you and making that choice and trusting yourself to make the right choice. Um, so that really is the cornerstone of my work and very much informs everything that I do in my business and in my life in general. I love it. I've not heard of that that version before of, of the choice. I must have missed that, that post mm-hmm. that you made. And um, that's, that's phenomenal because I know it's not necessarily always to do with lovers themselves, but this choice, mm-hmm. amazing. And with the lovers, um, it's also like the shadow aspect of, pardon me, the devils is like the shadow aspects of the lovers as well, with the imagery being very um, similar with one another, which will take us quite nicely. Before diving into to the devil and the comparisons, the devil card to you, before we d- jump in, I'm like two steps ahead, just so excited to get into I it all. I love it. But, 
Um, what, is, what does the devil card mean to you specifically? Yeah, to me, the devil card means the ways that kind of our own devil shows up um, because the devil is the personified shadow self or inner demon or whatever it is within ourselves. And it is shown in that way because it's supposed to be shocking. It's supposed to be something that really gets our attention. And the devil is, of course, the iconic archetype of, oh, that's bad, you know? And so for me, the devil represents all of the ways that we keep ourselves bound, stuck, in a rut, small, whatever the case may be. And by extension, the ways that we keep ourselves separated from ourselves. So the devil is kind of, it does traditionally represent vice and self-bondage and, you know, toxic habits or whatever. But ultimately, it represents this kind of disembodiment or misaligned embodiment. You know, some iconic devil behaviors, I guess, are like, you know, seeking pleasure through external sources at the detriment of your internal self and going a little too far in one extreme of the spectrum to yeah. the detriment of that sense of balance in your life. And so for me, it really is that kind of separation, whereas the other side of it is that wholeness and that true meeting of the self, integration of the self. So the devil is kind of the step before meeting the shadow self, doing that shadow work that is so important. It's that kind of blocking out of, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to connect. And it does often relate to things like substance use and substance use disorder and things like that. And that can mean many different things that could be, you know, literal substance use or like a shopping addiction or something and how the true, you know, need of many folks who use substances is connection and they don't feel that they have that connection with themselves, with others, with whatever. And so they find connection through substance use or through kind of numbing it out. And so it can be seen very literally and it can also be seen archetypally, if that makes sense. And I've done a lot of tarot reading for the recovery community. And so this is something that we talk about often when I read for folks who are in recovery. Yeah, for sure. And I do have ties. I myself, I used to have a bit of uh, an addiction to alcohol and it wasn't in the traditional sense that I was drinking like every single day, but it was anytime I did, it was binge drinking and it was never healthy and it was always what led to any issues in anything. And it's funny because at the time when you're in amongst it, you don't know that you're drinking to find that connection but it is it's to make it comfortable to make it easy and then in terms of habiting and patterning it just can be become all-consuming so that usually that's what the devil card is to me personally my personal experience is like what's your addictions I now don't drink I'm now so a sober person but in terms of other addictions after going through kind of my own struggles I suppose with alcohol or detaching myself from alcohol because it is very much ingrained in society especially in Scotland everyone loves a beverage they love to get together and, and have a drink and it's um, not to take things off of off of the topic but it's like that addiction side of things is um, if the devil comes out it's like watch yourself where are you perhaps um 
putting too much energy into something that's not serving you, it's draining you, it's a distraction, and it's going to have you longer term tapping into to the shadow sides um, in terms of that. So usually addiction is what I see when I look at the devil, which is why I thought it would be grand to come on and look at it from this, like connecting to your sexual side, the seductive side that you have um, as well. What are your views on the devil in terms of sex and your work or when it comes out in readings? Yeah, so my number one ethic as a sex worker, kind of what all of my education, excuse me, I'm not a sex worker, I'm a sex educator. <laughs> We've been talking a lot about sex workers with all of the OnlyFans stuff going on, so yeah. brain's a little fried in that sense. But <laughs> my yeah. number one sex education ethic is not judging people, not judging oneself, no judgment at all. And so the thing is, you know, approaching from a non-judgment perspective, the way I see the devil is not in the sense of, oh, what you're doing is bad, or like, oh, you're drinking too much, or you're having too much sex, or you're doing whatever. Not judging in that way, but opening up the floor for one's individual self to build that kind of personalized integrity of what do I think is fulfilling, sustainable, whatever for me, because the devil really is facing those deepest, darkest parts of ourselves. And that's going to look different for everyone. For some people, they might look at, for example, kinky sex and think that like, oh, that's bad. Like that's not healthy. That's, you know, they might pathologize it and all that stuff. But there's research that shows that certain kinks and certain ways of expressing kinks, expressing kinks, excuse me, um, even the more controversial ones, as long as they are based in that ethic of mutual ongoing consent, can actually be really helpful and healing for trauma survivors, for example. Yeah. And so for me, the devil really shows that it's not about judging based on a singular ethic or singular values. It is about opening up that self-awareness and figuring out what is good for me, what is fulfilling for me, what is liberating for me as an individual. And the devil is really the illumination of the lack of that self-awareness. So for example, when someone is using substances uh, too much and they don't have that awareness or that kind of ability to step back and say, oh, like this isn't good. When they're just stuck in that cycle of something that is not sustainable or fulfilling for them and they're not aware of that, that is the devil. That is what's keeping us stuck. But the work of the devil is approaching oneself without judgment and saying, what is really working for me and what's not, you know, what do I think is sustainable for me? What do I think is safe, but is actually keeping me stuck? And that's going to look different for everyone. You know, some people can drink as much as they want to, and they're still within that self-awareness of like, okay, I know what's sustainable for me and what's not. Some people, for them, they don't want to drink at all. Like, they know that that is what's sustainable and fulfilling for them. So, not to go on a tangent, but that's kind of how I view not things at all. in a sense. Tangents are so beautiful. Yeah, I can, I can really relate with the person that just, I just know drinking's not for me. And now that I've, like, moved on from that, some of my 
some of my friends and they mean it with a kind heart it's like oh it's been a while maybe you can have one but I know so strongly that the problem with me is the one not the 10th mm-hmm. one it's the first one that kind of runs along that chain and also um what you were mentioning about being kind of stuck in your in your own ways and it's difficult to be able to to see see your way out of things as well and where you are stuck so that's why other people can help illuminate that um illuminate that for us and with devil taking it more towards the seductive side because sometimes like for me it's quite a contrast of whether devil is addiction and intuitively i'll make that um you know, make that call within readings. And then sometimes it's more to do with sex and seduction and bringing it more over into the enjoyment of that pleasure side. Is there any tips you can give for people as to how to channel more of that inner seductress as we go through into our more passionate side of ourselves? Yeah, so I would definitely recommend to make sure that you're always keeping things open and expansive. So there's kind of, if we want to illustrate the dichotomy here, there's kind of the closed down, closed off, walled off side of things, which is like, nope, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to like kind of stuck. And that's where shame and, you know, negative judgment and all of that kind of lives. And then there's the more open, expansive end of things, which is okay, like, let me, you know, think about that, explore that, communicate about that, and decide for myself, and still keep the door open, so that if I feel like changing, then that's fine, and I can change and evolve, and so that is where we can apply the devil in in a more helpful context, Um, and the devil as the adversary, you know, because Satan in Hebrew means the adversary, Mm -hmm. um, is this kind of necessary literal devil's advocate of, okay, but what about this perspective? What about if we think of things this way? And so allowing that to be present in terms of, I can see both sides, I can equally acknowledge both sides, and I can trust myself to choose which is best for me. And in that way, it is, again, the shadow side of the lovers. If we don't trust ourselves, yeah, if we're stuck in this snowball of shame and being walled off and like, no, I can't even think about it, then we don't really open ourselves up to the fluidity and the self-trust and the self-love in order to know that if we're faced with a decision like, hey, do you want one drink? We can trust ourselves to know that like, I'm not avoiding anything. I just know for myself that my choice is no on the one drink. And I trust myself enough to make that decision. And so again, this is going to look different for everybody, but whether it's, you know, kink or sexuality or self-pleasure, making sure that you are coming from knowing your own integrity and that it is yours, that it's not what somebody else said you should or shouldn't do, but that you're checking in with yourself emotionally, somatically, all of those different things. And knowing truly that like, yes, this decision that I'm making feels right for me. And I trust myself that I can make good decisions and that I can also change course if and when I want to, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And and knowing that you can and you can say no if you want to at any time as you move through it. 
And in terms of knowing what you want, what I was quite interested about actually is the influence that porn can have sometimes and not just in the negative sense, but kind of like the good, the bad and the ugly of that and how that can influence what we want as there's um, very much that was the place I went to for my sex education growing up. So a lot of that was what I thought I wanted when I've done a bit of learning and found some other amazing resources like Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. Yes. <laughs> by the way, when I found that, I was like, oh my goodness, everyone should be reading this. Like, everyone should be having this when they're like, come of age, just be like, explore, enjoy. This is great. So, yeah, coming back to my question is um, the influence of porn is the, like, the good, the bad, and, and the ugly of that when we're trying to make our own decisions and choices, and we may feel that that's something that we should be doing when it's just one version of sex rather than not the, the full experience. Exactly. So the thing about porn is it is a movie. It is a fantasy. It is an art. And just like, you know, any other movie, if that's all that we get as education, that's not helpful. That's not realistic. Like it, it is a movie just like you wouldn't get relationship advice from the notebook or <laughs> from a Disney movie, you know? And if you do, if you grow up with that as your relationship advice or your awareness of the world, you're going to be shocked when like all the woodland animals don't talk to you or like when your <laughs> prince doesn't come in on a white horse or whatever. And so I'm still waiting for that white horse. Wait, I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so that's the thing is when we as a society <clears throat> are given are not given sex education from an individual no judgment, you know, awareness of everything perspective, when we're not given that and all that we have is movies then of course we're not gonna have a realistic understanding of what sex is and the fact that we need to figure out what it means for ourselves. So maybe you don't want to, you know, do whatever you see in porn, but if that's all you see, then you're gonna feel like, oh, that's the only way to have sex or to engage in pleasure or whatever. And so that's kind of the difficulty there is porn is great for folks who like to enjoy it, who watch it as like a movie and see it as a movie for what it is, but it needs to be, what's the word? Uh, subsidized or whatever with supplemented, there we go, yeah. with realistic sex education of, you know, these are all your options, like explore your own self, explore your body, figure out what works for you because you don't have to, again, fit this one singular script of you have to look this way, you have to do these things, whatever. So that's kind of the struggle with porn is that it is one singular lens on how sex is that is not supplemented with the ethic, again, of figuring out what works for us as individuals. And so kind of by default, it can make or keep us stuck if we fall into the belief that the movie is reality. So. <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure. And 
because so many so many people and um, men and women and um, watch it when when we grow up it then comes to this this point where you're trying things out and that's all that you've really really known and I've always been curious that um, if there was a parallel universe without porn or without a version of me that hadn't seen it how would my sex life have been impacted and changed because I probably would have maybe have been more around my pleasure rather than my main focus I was like it's a good it's a good time if the other person has a good time then job's a good one doesn't doesn't matter about me that's fine like whatever that doesn't matter and it's just it's something that I've pondered over in the past I was like "Mm, I wonder in that parallel universe what would that be and bringing things over from from porn and also finding the own our own ways with own things that work for us in terms of pleasure um what is um, what does pleasure mean to you and how can we dip into pleasure and maybe other subtle ways rather than diving into the depth of it can be quite overwhelming with all the different kinks and everything that you can explore it's like oh all these things <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, a couple things. <laughs> First of all, for your little parallel universe experiment, I would actually be an example of that because I never watched porn growing up. Mm. So I didn't have sex ed- education and I also didn't watch porn. And I kind of ended up the same way of like, oh, I guess as long as my partner's having a good time, then it's fine, right? Like, I really didn't know anything. And Mm -hmm. then, of course, when I stepped into the sex education world, and, you know, when I took the job at the sex toy store, and my boss was like, review this porn film, and, you know, get back to me with a a paragraph-long review or whatever, so we can use it for the shop. When I watched it, I was like this is really uncomfortable. Like, what is this? (laughs) Because, like, I just had never, it was just felt weird to me. I was like, this is, I feel like I'm walking in on a moment here that I was trying to do. What's going on? So we kind of, we're kind of fucked either way. If we don't have that element of Mm. sex positive, individualized sex education, then we're fucked either way when we eventually run into porn. So there's a little parallel universe thing for you. So, and I've never, I don't think I've ever admitted that before. It's just not something that comes up. So like, there you go, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) A new nugget of wisdom. It's so cool that you worked in a sex shop. Like, how did that come about? Were you drawn towards working in the sex industry at that time? Not in the sex industry, but as, um, you know, somebody that helps. Yeah, so I was a women's studies major in college, and I had done uh, an internship at Planned Parenthood, and so I learned about, like, the sexual health and reproductive health and reproductive justice side of things, and I found out about this job um, that had opened up at my local sex toy store, and it was very much, like, the education forward. It was not, like, the blacked-out windows sex toy store. It was, like, this is the safe space where you can come and be educated. And it is like a calm space that is not sensationalized. And so that really informed my own sex education ethics uh, moving forward and how I am in my business. But, you know, when I went there, it was like, oh, thank God, like, I have the opportunity to provide that safer space for people. Um, So it was amazing. It was like, 
very much not a fun job. You know, obviously it had its moments, but it was not something that I took because I thought it would be, you know, fun and whatnot. It was like, this is a serious obligation to hold space for people's most intimate parts of their lives. So that was how I found that. And what was your other question? The um, pleasure. finding, yeah, finding pleasure. So I made a reel about this, um, which folks can look at on my Instagram if you want to see the whole thing. But I've kind of found this, like, I call it the pleasure spectrum, if you will. Um, through my work, I've kind of developed this. And it's a way of, like, experiencing pleasure in ways that, you know, don't have to be explicitly sexual. So the way that I see this pleasure spectrum is on one end, there's sensory pleasures, and then there's sensual pleasures kind of in the middle, and then there's sexual pleasures on the other end. So sensory pleasures can be, are important aspects of pleasure as a whole and integrating pleasure into your daily life, but they're not necessarily sexual. They're more the five senses. So like the first sip of your morning coffee and how good it tastes or like, you know, the feeling of warm shower water on your skin after a long day or things of that nature drawn from the five senses. Um, and then sensual pleasures are things that are drawn from the five senses, but have kind of a peripheral element of sexuality to them. So like, uh, belly dancing or um, self-massage or like shibari or things that are not explicitly sexual, but that engage the body and the senses in a way that is peripherally sexual. Um, and then, of course, there's sexual pleasures, which is like specifically solo play, partnered play, all of those things. And kind of the ways that those things can be on one end or the other, but they, they're not mutually exclusive. So I would recommend kind of exploring what works for the individual. If straight up sexual pleasure does not feel accessible for you emotionally or physically, explore sensual or sensory pleasures. You know, notice what it feels like to engage with the smell of your favorite perfume or like the feeling of the sun on your face uh, and how good that feels in your whole body, mind, and soul. Um, instead of forcing yourself to try to be this wild sex deity right away, you know, that's not really realistic for many people. And so it's important to be actively consenting to our own exploration of pleasure and to honor all of those things. So even if you are like the most amazing, powerful sex deity that ever existed, it's also important to make sure that you're experiencing pleasure in the sensory and sensual ways as well, to really round out that holistic, daily integrated experience of pleasure. So I hope that helps. No, it does. And I'm sat here. I took my lollies upstairs. They're, they're, and the smell, they're from my mom's garden. And they're just mm. like, so lovely. Just like having them sat in this table. I'm like, seeing as we'll be talking about pleasures, that's a little pleasure of mine. So um, yeah, no, thank you so much. It's really good to know that there is this whole wide array of things we can dive into rather than going like, oh my goodness, like there's so much. It can be so overwhelming as to all the different avenues we can dive in with sensuality 
and I'd love to know as well with your new program you have um, Pleasure and Power how was it born how did it come about um, and what would we expect to find it there if we joined your next session I saw you're opening up um, a waiting list for your next load of people yeah yeah the next cohort will be in November of 2021 I'm really excited so Pleasure and Power was born of this idea that basically we, we don't get that no judgment, non-sensational opportunity to explore our sensuality, our magic, our self-love and self-trust, um, especially not in like an intentional supportive container. And so what I, how I created it basically was this journey that I myself took that took me like 10 years. <laughs> so saving y'all a lot of time um, on that. And combined with these very archetypal journey, journeys of deities and heroes, the whole like hero's journey, descent and ascent and mastery and all of that, combined with again, that ethic of personalized support. And so Pleasure and Power has nine modules. Um, so it's a three-ish month thing. Um, and it does have the modules of like intentional, this topic, this topic, this topic for each week. But the other side of it and the supplemental side of it is that supportive container through our Discord portal where people can share their questions, their needs, their celebrations, all of that, and gain support not only from me on a daily basis, but from everyone else in the community. And so it's basically what I would have wanted and needed to get to the place where I am now. Um, and the work that I am still doing and taking y'all along with me on that journey and saving you a lot of time um, instead of just like trying to figure it out on your own. And so that's really what I wanted to provide is something that can be done in a live format, but that also is something that everyone who is in it is going to take with them for the rest of their lives because these are very like overarching archetypal things that you can apply to anything in your life. So if you're, you know, at a really significant moment in your life of like, you know, there's this big decision I need to make and I feel so stuck and I have no idea what to do. Then going through this work is going to give you the tools to work through that situation in a way that feels good and fulfilling to you instead of being like, fuck, I made the wrong choice or like, why didn't I just listen to myself or whatever? So it's basically all of those things all wrapped up into one. Um, and applicable to people's lives at large. So my Virgo self, I wanted to make it as useful as humanly possible. So here we are. <laughs> I love that and happy Virgo season too. I'm a fellow Virgo. <laughs> loving, loving stepping into Virgo season. It's just, you know what I love about it and what calls out to me the most is that sense of community as well. Of course, your amazing knowledge and everything wrapped in, but to be able to know that you're not alone going through that, and that you're holding this space for several people and you can call upon yourself and others as you're gaining knowledge and these tools that will help you on your journey to discovering pleasure and power and all that will lie in between those three months, which is a great time as well 
to spread out all the, the knowledge, the learning, the, the unlearning that will go on within that space. And I can't speak about the devil and self-limiting beliefs without asking about shame because it's just such a big thing that happens that many of us tie around sex. Um, how is it we can look at that with different eyes or work through that without um, imposing more like pressure and using it as another step to beat yourself with? Yeah, absolutely. So it's so funny the way the timing worked out because I'm actually working on uh, the module on shame. We have an entire module on shame because it is so significant. Um, and there's so much to share. I'm like trying to condense it because there's just so much. Um, <laughs> so I guess like in terms of beginning that work, noticing again, like noticing, not judging. So perceiving things, but not assigning and identifying value judgment and not merging our identity with the feelings of shame. So when you feel a moment of shame, not thinking to yourself, I'm a bad person because I did that or because I think this way or whatever, because merging that with your identity is only keeping you more stuck, again, the devil staying stuck in something that is not serving you, but instead thinking in terms of self-compassion and self-forgiveness of my body did this thing or I made this choice because some part of me was trying to survive. Our bodies are always trying to keep us safe and help us survive and we will do whatever we feel is needed at the time to do that so that might look like self-sabotage it might look like acting in ways that are not in alignment with our integrity um and so expressing that self-compassion of like yes that happened and that also doesn't mean that i am a bad person or that i am an evil person or that i am beyond redemption Instead, again, opening oneself up, becoming expansive with that love, because shame closes us down. Shame keeps us restricted and stuck in this endless cycle of, I'm bad, I can't do that, which ends up in this kind of misaligned projection of things, whether it's anger or whether it's compulsion or whatever it is. Shame never helps us. You know, it's a very good modality for controlling people, but it isn't helpful <laughs> ultimately. Yeah. And so having kind of an opposite action or an opposite mantra for when things come mm. up can be really helpful. And this is something that, again, people in recovery, whether it's from substance use or eating disorders or whatever, this is something that, you know, therapists who work with folks in recovery do with them. And so it's this kind of like dialectical witnessing of all of the options. So if you are feeling, for example, pleasure is bad and I'm bad for seeking out my own pleasure, having that opposite action or opposite mantra of I deserve pleasure and pleasure is good for me and pleasure renews and revitalizes me and I am worthy of the joy that pleasure brings me. And I can trust my body to know how, when, and whatever I want to receive pleasure. So that can kind of be a helpful way of 
not just stewing in one mindset, but again, <laughs> Satan, the adversary being like, but what about this? So hope we're all seeing the connections here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's, it must be a practice more than anything else because you can't just say to yourself one day, pleasure's good, we're all fixed. Yay, off yeah, we go. Exactly. Exactly. Again, like the observing, as you're mentioning before, of it as, as it goes about. But that's really, yeah, it's really amazing. It's a great conversation to have about shame because so many of us experience it, especially in and around topics such as such as sex, especially. Um, and I have one question, asking for a friend, of course. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> More just something I was curious about for myself um, is how to navigate when your partner has a different sex drive than you, than you do. Because with my exploring what it is I want and don't want it's now come to the point where I'm more interested or have a higher sex drive than my partner and then it's trying to kind of meet each other in the middle without me still feeling like I need to be the one that's been like okay everything's on your terms because it is like a heterosexual relationship that I'm in um so yeah I just thought we would um I'd ask well we're here to see what you had to say about that <laughs> Absolutely. So I would recommend starting out with really reflecting on what sex means to you. So for some people, sex means connection. For some people, sex means trust. For some people, sex means exploration and curiosity and play. For some people, it means all of those things. And so if you or anyone else listening to this finds that for them, sex means being wanted, then of course, if your partner just doesn't feel like having sex, you may end up internalizing that as they don't want me. I am undesirable. I am unlovable. And so again, not saying that's the case, but doing that kind of emotional reflection can help you figure out, you know, what are my needs that sex meets? What are the desires that sex fulfills for me? And so figuring out how to achieve those desires and meet those needs in a way that works for you and your partner. So that could be, you know, mutual masturbation, or that could be like solo play if they don't feel like it, or that could be, you know, figuring out a schedule of like, okay, we're gonna, you know, have partner play this many times a week, and I'm gonna have this much of a solo play practice or whatever that means to you. That could mean consensual non-monogamy, that could mean integrating toys. It could mean literally anything, as long as it is, again, something that all parties are consenting to. And so that kind of expansive exploration, rather than I am bad, I am not worthy, that's shutting us down and that's keeping us stuck. But if we instead approach it from a solutions-based viewpoint of, okay, how can we figure out something that is mutually beneficial to us? How can we take the pressure off and instead focus on the physical, somatic, and emotional needs and desires that are here and how to fulfill them in an expansive and fulfilling way? if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. Definitely, I've been on some of the journey already um, with the connection, not feeling desired, and it was good to work work through that initially as well. So I was like, oh, okay, and you learn, you learn something new that 
um, or how it is that you or I at that time was was viewing sets and being able to shift my own perspective, which does take a bit of time of unpicking it and accepting it. And sometimes it would be really loud and other times you wouldn't mind. And then it'd come up and be like, oh, hi, I'm still here. Hello, it's me. Um, but no, that's that's a great way of explaining it. And also more of the self-reflection as well that's, that's important of seeing where it all comes from at the end of the day. Yeah. So Gwen, thank you so, so much for coming here on this live podcast with me. Is there anything you wish to share with listeners before we round things up? It's been such a pleasure. Oh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess making sure that you are always approaching things, again, from that expansive viewpoint of let's talk about this, let's reflect on this, instead of just shutting it out. Because again, that kind of constriction and shutting down versus opening up. And again, <laughs> there again, to bring the little Virgo nerdy, nerdiness in, um, studies show that partners who self-disclose to each other are closer than partners who do not self-disclose or communicate. So again, it is always better to be open and communicate, whether that's a conversation with a partner or whether that's introspection with yourself. So... I hope this has been helpful for you all. Feel free to stay in touch with me. My Instagram is at Gwen Walsh. My website is GwenWalsh.com. We'll be hosting another cohort of Pleasure and Power um, this coming autumn in November. And I'm really excited to stay in touch with you all and keep learning and growing and fulfilling our desires together. Yes. Oh, thank you so much again. It's been amazing. What a wonderful area of expertise you have. And you really are an expert and have so much to offer people. So go and follow Gwen, go check her out, go look at the website and join up to Pleasure and Power. I know that I really want to, and I'm going to be signing up very, very soon uh, to join in the next cohort that's going to be starting in November. So yes, Gwen, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome and everyone else, we shall see you next week for another episode. Take care.